Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating hours in radio, in finance radio. Yeah, in radio. That would be a bit, that'd be a bit of a statement, right? <laughs> uh, an hour-long weekend show. They, they, they'd, that'd be a tough place to hang your hat. I, we, don't, we certainly don't deserve that. Uh, anyway, we've got a phenomenal show planned for you guys today. Got a great interview coming up. And we're going to do a deep, we've, we've talked about it several times. Um, we've dug into it before, but a lot is going on. The pieces are moving rather quickly. And we wanted to dig into energy markets again, the ge- you know, how geopolitics are impacting them. You know, there's a lot of talk about the separation between the physical markets and the, and the paper market. Anyway, just there's a lot of stuff going on. So we're not just rehashing it. We're going to talk about it from different directions. We're also going to spend some time, and I think this is really important. We're going to spend some time not so much focused as everybody else is on what is currently happening. And I want to spend some time focusing and digging into how did we get here, right? We've made some summaries of that in the past. But, but I think this guest, Josh Young, who, who is the, the manager and owner of Bison Interests, a, an energy hedge fund out of Houston, has been on the show before, um, thrown up ridiculous performance numbers the last couple of years because he, he was certainly ahead of the curve and, and really stuck to his guns and, and he's reaped the rewards. But he was kind enough to come in and we spent about an hour and 10 minutes kind of kind of addressing oil markets and energy markets from all corners and looking at the geopolitical implications. So I think that's really valuable. Um, the reason that we talk to him is, and, and this isn't me bragging, this is one of the reasons I had him on the show. Um, the content and the analysis you're going to get in this interview is better than anything you're getting anywhere else in the media, unless you're listening to some other podcasts that have some really bright guys on as well. Um, but as far as mainstream media coverage you know, as always, it's lacking <laughs> to say the least. I'm going to be kind uh, saying that. Um, we're also going to do, you know, obviously cover the market update, go over, you know, what we're seeing this week and, and different, different things to expect. And then I want to do a segment on call that I'm referring to as the crossroads. Um, meaning there are a lot of people out there now. We, had in my opinion what was that that bear market rally um and you quickly got slammed down again um and then you're seeing some resistance that that 115116 level on the Nasdaq again I'm watching the Nasdaq because I think the Nasdaq is the tail that's wagging the dog in most circumstances I wouldn't be paying attention to the Nasdaq um I'd be watching the S&P 500 that is certainly the most you know that's what pros are supposed to do. Um, I think for a variety of different reasons in this environment, that is wrong headed. In my opinion, I think that the movement of the NASDAQ is going to tell us a lot more about uh, trajectory of markets. Um, so anyway, that we great show plan for you. And this is one of those interviews where um, I would suggest, you know, when you hear questions or people talking about energy markets, um, you know, I, I obviously we've done a lot of research on this too. So I, I would like to think that I am much well more well read on this topic than the average journalist, you know, or your buddy on the street or whatever. Um, but the holes that I have, Josh doesn't. Josh lives, eats, and breathes this stuff. So I think it's another one of those episodes where, you know, if you got friends and family, and I'm not saying this to try to promulgate my own show, you know, further out there or anything like that. Just just trying to deliver some good information. Um, I think this is one of those interviews that you might want to send to friends and family to help them better understand what is currently going on. So anyway, market update. Um, you know, quite honestly, there's not a whole lot going on yet. We we've volumes on the exchanges look a little bit better today. Volumes have still been extremely light. Um, kind of continuing that summer pattern. Um, 
I am still, if, if anybody is wondering, I am still much, very much in the belief that, that we are in a bear market and that, that is the trend. Um, you know, there's that old adage in wall street that the trend is your friend. The trend is decidedly down. I, I, I don't think that that is even up for argument. Um, however, in light of macroeconomic conditions, um, stock valuations and stock prices are proving to be even a little more sticky than I thought. And we always got to test our thesis, right? At the end of the day, our job is not to sit back and prognosticate which part. Our job is to get it right, right? That's our job. Um, and if things are happening that we don't understand, get out of the way, right? I think it's really important in investing, whether you do it yourself, it's something that we talk about here on a regular basis. Investing is a game of infinite strikes. Buffett talks about how investing is like baseball, except you have an infinite number of strikes, meaning you don't strike out, right? You can keep your bat on your shoulder until you see a pitch you like, um, where you're at right now, again, in these markets at four, you know, bumping right around 4,000, 4,050 on the S&P 500, right around 12,000 in NASDAQ. Um, you're going to hear people saying the bottom's about ready to fall out. This is the beginning of a new bull run. Here's the truth. Okay. Uh, on a technical basis, the downtrend is still in place. Okay. There's no, there, there's absolutely nothing on the technical side of things that should get you bullish. Um, <clears throat> doesn't mean that that can't change, but that is what it is. The macroeconomic backdrop is not good. Um, the dollar still remains, you know, 109 dollar index level. Uh, energy prices are still elevated. You're still seeing the impacts around the world. Um, now, it doesn't mean that those things can't improve. What I'm saying is that the outlook has not changed. And in our opinion, the outlook does not favor higher prices. It just doesn't. Um, the Fed was out, uh, one of the Fed members was out today saying that they think that um, they'll keep printing and, and the current environment uh, justifies 4% Fed funds rates, which would be like two more, one, I think it'd be about two more 75 bit hikes, um, which is pretty amazing to me. Now, who knows? Maybe they're still trying to job on the market. They don't seem to be. They seem to be talking very tough. I, I can't really figure out the angle on this because it seems to be like the market is trying to call their bluff. And, and the interesting thing about that is that the more the market does that, the more cover they give the Fed to raise rates higher, right? Because if they keep raising rates and trying to stamp down inflation, right, they make the price of goods more expensive across the, you know, cars, you know, phones, you know, people are financing phones now. Maybe that maybe those higher rates won't bleed into phone prices. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. So don't quote me on that. But right. Higher rates means everything gets more expensive. Um, and if the market still stays buoyant. Right. And, and, it, and it doesn't really start discounting that. Um, you know, the, the Fed can keep hiking rates. And. I, you know, I, so, so in some ways you could sit there and say, if the bulls are correct, they're kind of loading the gun for the fed. That's the way we look at at right now. Um, and, and we're going to talk about this more in the crossroads, but there's also an aspect of this that is very much currency related that has our attention. And we've talked about it on the show before, but I want to spend a little bit more time, um, digging into that. If you want to know, you know, you've got, I, I think that overall we will be higher on the week. Um, and I think that you really can't read into it too much one way or the other. Okay. So markets are doing what they're doing. You still have not seen real flows and volumes come back yet. I will say that this bounce, you know, the, the S and P is now flat over the last four months. Okay. So typically that would signify somewhat of a bottom. So that's entirely possible. We got to, we got to look at that. Um, I am still very much in the, in the camp of we're going lower. Um, and you know, we still have not passed critical lines to the top. And, and, and just so you know, if we're focused on why are we talking about technicals? 
the reason we're looking more at technicals right now, guys, is because this price action in market still doesn't make any sense, right? The profit outlook is, is dropping every single day. It's just not good. Sun, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not forecasting economic collapse, you know, but like we've been saying, every angle you look at this thing on, it's just not good, right? Rates going up. Real estate is in stall speed. <laughs> um, if you didn't want, if you if you didn't know, real estate and and the overall economy and the stock market are highly correlated. As a matter of fact, you've never had quote unquote big economic growth in a bull run with a, with a, with a, uh, a real estate market going backwards. It's never happened, right? So um, now you've had the real estate market stagnate and have so maybe that's what's going on. But when you look at the impact on rates. Um, you know, we, we still continue to believe that housing will pull back and it's just a factor of expense, right? People buy mortgages, they don't buy homes and you've doubled the cost of a mortgage. It's that, it's that simple. Um, there is some elasticity in housing prices, but it's not double, right? If you were shopping for a $500,000 house 16 months ago and you got pre-approved at 3%, you go back and look at that house again, your cost to own that house is doubled. Right, your mortgage payment that was going to be required. Let's say it was at five thousand, or you know, let's say it was at three thousand. It's touching six thousand now, and that's just math. It just is what it is. Um, if you don't think that's going to impact housing, best of luck to you. I don't know what to tell you. It is. Right? I just the consumer doesn't have that amount of elasticity. So I continue to believe that this is the knife fight that we've been talking about for so long. That people are going to keep going back to the well until they get smashed to pieces. Um, and I think action in the market that, that supports that view. Yesterday was fascinating. Things turned. You had one of these very low volume rippers right into the close where the market just shot up right at the close the last seven or eight minutes. Uh, virtually all algorithmic buying. Um, but what was fascinating is all day long yesterday. Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Apple, Netflix were red and the NASDAQ was positive. So what does that tell you? To me, it screams retail. People are in there buying all the nonsense that they've already gotten killed in because they think the dawn is here again. Hey, and maybe they're right. That that's just not a healthy way for a market to advance, right? If you're if you're if you're finding a bottom Right. You know, what I would look for if we if you want to know if we're out of the woods and new highs are ahead of us, first of all, right out of the gate, I would say, let's look for Apple to make new highs on the year, you know, or, or, or new all time highs. Right. Look at those keystone ones, you know, or those those, you know, the, the Atlas type stocks that are holding the market up. When you see the market advancing like it did yesterday without the participation of the big boys. Now, the big boys are falling through a little bit today, not as strong as the overall index. So, you know, the, the leaders are the Teslas and the ARCs. It's all the garbage and nonsense. And, and, and to be clear, there are good things mixed in there, too. I'm not, I'm not trying to paint with too broad of a brush. Um, but there's just nothing. Uh, headline, NASDAQ surges 2%. Yeah. Okay. So um, I just, I'm not convinced. And, um, I, and I think we got some really interesting levels. N NASDAQ is bumping up at 12,100 right now. The channel that we're charting top of that channel is 12,200. If the NASDAQ gets above 12,200, then, you know, and, and I'm talking three or four days closing above, especially if you get strong moves above that. Um, that to me is a point where we will be pulling back hedges and kind of sitting back going, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Um, but it is a it is a really interesting situation because people go, well, Zach, the market's forward looking. OK, so if this is right, if we have bottomed, what the market is saying is that inflation will be gone in a year. Uh, profits will rise substantially in a year. All of these analysts are still looking at seven percent earnings growth next year, which I just don't see. And guys, I, I, let me break it down for you one time. We've done it several times in the show. Okay, let's first of all look at the U.S. consumer. Okay, the U.S. consumer has bought everything that they want to buy. I'm not saying that numbers are going to fall off a cliff, but as crazy as this sounds, I kind of think U.S. consumer spending might go back to levels we saw in 2019 or slightly below. Why? Because so much has been bought. Right. People don't keep buying flat screen TVs. They don't keep buying third and fourth Xboxes. They don't buy a fifth and sixth barbecue. Right. They don't redo their deck every year like we've talked about on the show. So I think at the very least here in the U.S., you're going to hit 
a bit of an air pocket as far as consumer spending. Now, let's flip over to real estate. We know the story in real estate. How about automobiles? Well, we know the story in automobiles. There's been a glut. Again, people don't buy new cars every year. Interest rates will impact prices on that as well, right? So, again, not devastation. The consumer financially here in the United States is still in good shape. It's just really, really hard to look out over the next year to year and a half and not see at very least a pullback in consumer spending, um, it's remarkable to me that there are people out there. I can't crunch the numbers to get there. I, I literally, I don't know what they're talking about. Okay. doesn't mean they're hundred percent wrong. I just, I, I just can't see it from here. We got to take a quick break. We're up against time. Anyway, if you don't have a risk management strategy, give us a call 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. If you don't want to call us, you can always email in. We can do email correspondence, but there's a better way, guys. Take the the three minutes it takes to call us and educate yourselves. Educate yourselves on how we're lowering fees, improving performance, improving upside, and drastically lowering risk. It's going to be worth your time. Anyway, we'll be right back. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. What does outside-the-box investing really look like? Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management, and see a side-by-side comparison of your current portfolio versus one Zach would recommend. Schedule your free risk review at knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation and it's here. All the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and due and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free book Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for being with us and sticking with us. Now let's take an international look. Right? DXY, like I was saying earlier, still at, still at 109, still at a 40-year high. Topped out at 110 the other day. So, you know, that has not started to pull back at all. That does not look any better. Not whatsoever. Okay? Why is that important? 40% of S&P revenues come from international markets. When you look at China, Japan, Europe, covers a lot of that 40% of sales outside of the United States, right? Those ones. 
all of them are seeing substantial currency devaluations against the dollar between 30 to 40 percent and dealing with skyrocketing energy prices at the same time and dealing with higher interest rates. Okay, will they stop buying U.S. goods? No. Are they going to buy as many? No. It's it's not possible. Once again, why? It may not fall off a complete cliff. But the average consumer doesn't have that amount of elasticity in their budget. Then you factor in, like I said, higher rates, guys. I I just, again, if, if, if what you're saying, and this isn't, you know, Armageddon, Doomsday or anything like that. If you find that to be a constructive economic backdrop and supportive of higher valuations on stocks, you know, but be my guest, go in there and load them up with both hands. I just don't see it. And it's a bit of a conundrum. Um, so I, now here's the good news. What do we do in scenarios like this? You, you stick to your levels, you manage your risk and you ride it out. Like I've said, you know, value portfolio I'm running is down two and a half percent this year. Overall portfolios between that and momentum, I think we're down five and a half, six now kind of still bumping around in that same range like everything has been right just up and down back and forth blah blah blah, blah. um <clears throat> i just think you just need to stay you know it's it's i i think if you're down 15 to 20 right now it's a much tougher deal because you got to make a call one way or the other you know the worst thing as an asset manager is to take the market hit and stay bearish and then watch the market run away from you um at the same time like i said i i'm not the only guy that is observing this um I'm not the only guy that knows that the macroeconomic picture isn't good. What market participants seem to be saying is they don't care. Um, And that may not be as crazy as you think. And we're going to discuss that in the next segment. This is what I'm going to get to when I said we're at a crossroads. So anyway, as always, guys, if you want active management, if you want risk management to be a part of this, if you want somebody watching your portfolio on a day-to-day basis and actually earning the fee that they're giving you rather than just telling you you can ride the market up and down and be exposed to its whims and then pay them a fee for doing that, right? If you want people that are actually trying to generate a better outcome and most importantly, protect your money through crazy times like we're currently in, and I don't think we're going to be out of them anytime soon, give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website. You guys know the drill. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back and talk about the crossroads that we are at. Stick with us. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation and it's here. All the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and due and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy we teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet common sense investing learn how to protect your portfolio against loss but still seek to grow your assets call zach now for your free copy of common sense investing 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement bulwark capital management is an investment advisor representative of trek financial llc and sec registered investment advisor What does outside-the-box investing really look like? Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management, and see a side-by-side comparison of your current portfolio versus one Zach would recommend. Schedule your free risk review at knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? 
ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. Uh, we are back. All right. I got to tie this up because I'm going to air a little bit more of the Josh Young interview than I typically air with most guests, just because I think it is so topical and it's so poignant and it has so much to do with the global economy, you know, the geopolitics of today. Again, it's just so topical. Um, And I think it's really important information. I think it's really important for investors to hear this information, potential investors, and then also give you guys insight into, into where we are. So one of the things that we've been thinking about lately is despite this economic backdrop that we see, and I'll just be clear, guys, historically speaking, when you see an economic backdrop like this, especially now, if you had, and I've said this before, but if you had an S&P that was trading at, you know, 12, 13, 14 times earnings, my, my outlook would be decidedly different because that is that, that, that stock's certainly getting punished, not on a historic level, but those are stocks factoring in bad news, right? Those are stocks below their historical uh, valuation averages, you know, that to me would make some sense. And, and the, uh, the, the outlook isn't so bad where it's like guaranteed carnage. The thing that I know for a fact is though, is this market certainly is not pricing in the possibilities of, of really bad outcomes. Not at all, not at 22 times earnings on the S and P with earnings dropping at least for the first two quarters. Well, the second quarter might have been slightly positive on a year-over-year basis. Anyway, the trend is down there, too. Um, but but the, that is clearly not the case. Now, here's the one caveat. Okay, because I am not a believer. I was going back and forth with a guy on Twitter, a younger guy, which I think is funny. Um, he's like, no, the game has changed. Valuations don't matter because retail owns so much and blah, blah, blah. And stocks at bottom. There's no way they can go higher from here without a global war and blah, blah, blah. And I just said, man, I heard a lot of that same stuff in 2000. It's different this time. Retail investors are bigger. They don't care about valuations. You don't understand. It's about revenue. It just, it just sounded exactly like what you heard in 2000, in, in the year 2000. Um, and so that was compelling and interesting. And But one of the things that I thought about, because I will tell you that this action does surprise me a little bit. This market is proving more resilient than I thought it would be in the backdrop, which, which is most decidedly negative earnings, at least over the next year. Okay. I, I can't guarantee that, but about as close to a guarantee as you can possibly get, especially in an economy that's 70% driven by, by consumer spending. Right. And an economy that relies on 40 percent of its revenues from overseas, looking what they're dealing with, exorbitantly high, historically high energy prices, you know, their currencies devaluing 30 percent against the dollar. There's just no way there's no way that consumers in Asia and in Europe purchase U.S. goods at the same rate as they have over the last two years. Does that mean stocks cannot go up? No, it doesn't. And here's why. The one caveat to all of this to me is the dollar. Meaning when you look at how these currencies are getting slaughtered, it is relative to the dollar. When you look at the dollar being the world reserve currency and the last 15 years being all about central bank greasing of the pump. And if you don't think that's the case, you're not paying attention. Everybody goes, well, it's been a big bull market, man. We had a great, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. It was still the weakest economic decade of growth in history, including the Great Depression when you factor in inflation rates on a real basis. And yet it was home to the largest bull market in U.S. history in terms of time and size. That is an important thing to pull out, guys, because what that should tell us all unequivocally is that things have changed. 
right? The makeup of this market is different. What moves it is different. It's not just a price discovery mechanism anymore. It's become a political utility. Meaning I think central banks have really realized, grasped, and, and taken a hold of the control they really do have, right? By, by creating and, and, and pushing money into the system and pulling it out. And I think central bank hubris is an all-time high. And you can see it in the way that they're handling inflation. They generate this uh, huge tsunami of inflation. And you can't tell me they didn't think it was possible, that this wasn't coming. But what does that tell you? It tells you that they're not worried about it, that they think they're fully in control. Now, we go back through history. When, you, when, when a body, especially a political body, thinks it's completely in control, that's probably the right time to exit. It's probably the right time to sprint away from them. But a caveat here. If you're in Japan, and I've said this before, but I want to make a point. If you're in Japan and you bought tech stocks a year ago, you are up on a cross-currency basis. Your currency has depreciated more than those stocks have fallen. So a Japanese investor is actually up. And one of the things that we have to pay attention to is something that me and Brent Johnson, Brent Johnson has been on the show several times, Santiago Capital, has his dollar milkshake theory that we've spent a lot of time on. And... You know, I've been telling you for two to three years or four years that the end of this cycle would be marked by a spiking dollar, not a falling one. Everybody telling you the dollar is about ready to plummet. Don't listen to them. They're full of it and they don't understand the market. I think we've been proven right. Okay. Now, here's the thing. When you look at those currency devaluations, it is entirely possible. The other thing is over the last four weeks, we have seen record inflows of foreign funds into U.S. stocks. When you look at the residue of all this extraordinary central banking activity, it is possible that currency movements and currency gyrations can maybe have untethered. I mean, at some point it'll retether. Maybe it does mean that the market has turned into utility. Maybe this is just a currency game. Maybe underlying valuations don't matter. I mean, you guys know me. That's not what I think. I think this is like any other bear market, which is if you're short or bearish, it's going to make you question your sanity many times. It's much harder to stay bearish and stick to shorts in a bear market than it is stick to longs in a bull market. Right? It just is. Again, because part of its psychology, the worst thing to do as an asset manager is to lose money while the market's going up. That's how you lose clients. That's how you get your firm shut down. But we have to entertain that idea. And that's one of the reasons we adhere to our risk management models. That's one of the reasons that we do things the way that we do them. Because we've got to generate returns for clients in any markets and we need to protect capital in any markets. And when you, or in any market, and regardless of market conditions. And when you look at this setup and you look at the interference and the incredible difference central banks have made in the complexion of markets, we have to entertain the potential that at least for now and for the time being, currency movements trump anything else. Like I said, are you worried about if you're staring the potential of a 60 to 70% currency devaluation in the face, you're probably not worried about buying the S&P at 22 times earnings, right? I mean, you're probably not. The other thing is if the market continues to fall the way that I think it will, the dollar will probably just continue to go higher, which will even exacerbate that. And so we're really at a crossroads. One of the things that I think is really fascinating is I think we're coming into a place here and it looks to me like we're going to test it this September. It's going to tell us in my, now maybe it'll extend out further the way this market has. Again, this knife fight has lasted so much longer than we thought it would. But I think we're going to find out in the next 30 days. It, it, is the market going to actually pay attention to fundamentals? Do rising interest rates and falling profits and falling revenues really matter anymore? Market's trying to tell you that they don't right now, trying to rally. A lot of investors out there believe it. Um, do, do fundamentals matter? I mean, they will in the long run, but I mean, over the next couple of years, do they matter? Or, and I don't really think it's one or the other, or excuse me, I don't, I don't think it's really more, I, I don't think it's do valuations matter does capital flight via currency volatility trump fundamentals? And when you consider what central banks have done again over the last 10 to 15 years, especially around the world, you got to consider it 
you look at the debt that some of these countries that aren't like us, that aren't rich in natural resources, that don't have the best innovators in the world, that don't have home to the best tech companies in the world, right? All the advantages we have here, and they've racked up even larger debts to GDP than we have. When you look at that backdrop, we have to entertain the, the thought that maybe we're like Japan in the late 80s, right? Where, yeah, we'll be completely untethered from fundamentals, but it's all about foreign capital flight into our markets. At, back then, it was that Jap, Japan's going to take over the world economically and they're just going to own everything. So buy them at any price. And maybe we see an incredible market blow off top here and another bull run based on the dollar. Again, I want to be very clear. I don't think that's going to happen. I do. I, I think these are I think these are stories that guys like me tell themselves because they're afraid of being wrong. But in this environment, with actions we've seen governments take with countries shutting down nuclear power plants in the middle of energy crises, you cannot discount anything. At least we can't. And why? Because what is our mandate? Our mandate is to protect and grow our client capital. Telling them that I did really good research is not a good enough excuse for why we just lost 30% of their money. Okay. A lot of you were down 25 to 30% at the lows this year. And your guy just tells you, Hey, that's the nature of the game. We don't view it that way. I view it. If my client's portfolios are down 30% a year, that is a dereliction of duty. I don't think I've delivered the goods. Right. And that's the difference with us. If, if that's the type of management you're looking for, if that's a type of constant shepherding and watching over of your assets and, and paying, I, I was telling somebody the other day, yeah, we're active managers. When I look at what the cost to manage actively is for us, it's about $1.3 million a year that I pay of excess charges, right? Of excess cost than a lot, than all these other RIAs that are just putting you in ETFs, and mutual funds. We pay an extra $1.3 million for our portfolios to be managed actively. Ask yourself why we do that. Why do you think I do that? It's not because I don't like money. It's because in this environment, I don't believe that the traditional way of just riding the market will work. And I think that if you do that, a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money that they can't afford to lose and that you're going to negatively impact their life. If that's the type of thinking, if that's the type of investment and conviction you want, watching your money, give us a call 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. That's enough for my part of it today. I'm going to air the rest of the, I'm going to air the interview here for the next 15 minutes or so on the show. And as always, you can go to the podcast, knowyourriskradio.com. We're on Apple iTunes, wherever podcast site you want, just look up Know Your Risk Radio. Podcast will come up and you can get the remainder of the interview I do with Josh. You won't want to miss it. Anyway, we got to run. Have a, well, and don't go anywhere. We're taking a quick break. We're going to be back with our interview with Josh Young, digging into oil markets, energy markets, global impacts, all that stuff. So stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation and it's here. All the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and due and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free book Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And again, my favorite time uh, or my favorite part of the show where we get to pe- we get to talk to people 
uh, that are experts in their field, people that are smarter than I am. <laughs> and maybe that's not the best plug for your firm or your show, but but I mean that. I, I love talking to very competent people that are specialists in their field. And uh, our guest today is absolutely no exception. I think he's one of the hardest working guys in the space. Had him on before. Great to have him back. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Josh Young, uh, the manager of Bison Interests, the fund, uh, specializing in, in hedge fund down based out of Houston, uh, focused on energy. Uh, Josh has been one of the preeminent voices, really bringing the whole energy shortage, I think, to the you know, so, you know, I, there have been other people, too, but you, he was very early to it, and he's profited nicely from it and really stuck to his gun. So it's kind of a long introduction, Josh, but thank you so much for joining us, man. It's great to have you back on the show. Uh, thanks for having me. So, so I hear there's going to be someone who's smart and has a lot of expertise. Uh, I'm excited to hear from them. <laughs> Buddy, don't discourage me, man. Uh, <laughs> you're supposed to be that guy. If you don't have the answers for me, buddy, I, I might be up a crick without a paddle. Uh, but uh, anyway, so so how how well how are things in your world, man? I, I, how are things? Kind of give us just a, a short synopsis of. You know, what you've seen here in oil markets, uh, you know, and then we'll dig into the deeper details, but just just a quick synopsis of what you've seen in oil markets over the last couple months since the last time we talked. Yeah. So um, when I think we last spoke, I think was a chase on as well. Yeah. Um, yep. So so he was bearish short term on oil and I generally just don't take short term uh, views on things. Um, or have low conviction in my, I, I like to joke that my short-term crystal ball is broken. And, and since then, oil prices have fallen quite a bit, um, at least on the front end of the curve. And I think it's really interesting. What I do is actually a little different from what I find myself spending a lot of time talking publicly about. So what I do is I spend time looking for great individual investment opportunities, typically with asymmetric upside, multiple paths to downside protection on the public equity side focused on oil and gas companies. And what I find I talk a lot about is oil macro, in some cases, unfortunately, shorter term oil macro, where, you know, the work that that I do and that we do here at Bison uh, helps inform us on that. But I feel like it's important to, to be a little bit more open about sort of where where I'm spending my time. So so how things are going is actually pretty good. Uh, oil and gas stocks, even though oil pulled back a lot, they've actually done pretty well. And um, I think smaller stocks have done poorly sort of across the market, not just oil and gas. Um, and so there's been a little bit of outperformance by larger cap, which is not something I focus as much on. Um, so that's been a little frustrating. But it's been a very interesting market, very big divergence in oil and gas equities versus the commodity um, and actually versus the commodities, including natural gas. And, you know, just a very interesting time and very challenging. Boy, you said it, pal. Uh, <laughs> challenging, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I, I know that, uh, we say that and I think, you know, just so people know, and I'm not sticking my chest out for either one of us here, but I think when you say things are challenging, people are like, well, that's cause you're not doing well. Eh. The value fund I runs down two and a half percent on the year. I know you're substantially up. We're not doing poorly. Uh, it, it, and off the air, I was expressing to you some of my frustrations with this market, but before we get into that, I've got some things. I, Josh, I think everybody, you know, you've made, you've made the rounds. <clears throat> I, I saw your video on Real Vision the other day. I think there's a lot of people out there talking about what is currently happening in oil. But I want to take a little bit of a trip back in time for, for the edification of the listeners, but also for myself. Um, you know, one of the things I've learned managing money for 15 years is I think it's always appropriate when, when the market kind of throws a curveball at you. Um, I, I've learned to not sit back with clenched fists and say the market's wrong, right? <laughs> I've, I've learned that through pain and time. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to tack immediately when, when prices move against me. But it does mean that I want to revisit my thesis, right? And I want to go back through it. I want to check to see if there are things that I missed. And I want to start right at the beginning, uh, prior to COVID, and talk about how we got here, Um and, and you were the perfect guy to have on the show because some of these questions have been running through my mind lately. And I've got my ideas, but I know that I was not paying as much attention at all to the energy sector prior to, to the last you know, two years, especially post-COVID, as you were. So I want to start 
pre-COVID and the state of the oil market there. I, I had a client ask an interesting question the other day, and he goes, Zach, I understand about the energy shortages now. I get it. And he goes, but what I really don't understand is how the picture changed so much in the space of 16 months. Nobody was concerned. We did not have exorbitantly high oil prices at the end of 2019. Nobody was talking about shortages. Perhaps they existed at that time and just nobody was paying attention. But let's start there. What, What was the state of the oil market prior to covid and when did you start what what bells went off that there were real problems uh in terms of supply when did you start noticing that so i think it helps to go back further okay and i'm gonna hop in a time machine i'll try to keep this very brief but i started investing in oil and gas companies in the public market professionally in 2007 so I like to joke that I've been doing this so long that I was doing it back when it was popular the last time. And <laughs> um, when, you, when you look at what the world looked like, so I attended some conferences 2007, 2008, 2009, even after the global financial crisis in 2009, there were still hundreds of public equity funds focused on oil and gas. There were huge research efforts at all the hedge funds and big mutual funds and value funds on oil and gas, tons of dedicated capital, both from those sort of broader generalist funds as well as from specific oil and gas funds. And what what we've seen since then, so that was sort of towards the end of the uh, peak of that bull market that started really in 2001. And that started from a decade plus of underinvestment um, that that came after a giant oil bull market in the 70s and early 80s. And so the reason it's so important to understand that is that it didn't look like that at all. And if if I better understood it, maybe I would have been better off going and focusing on tech or some of the other things I was doing at the time quite successfully. Um, And I think it's important to understand sort of where we've been because where we've been now is essentially a seven-year down market for oil and gas capital expenditures. And actually, really, oil field services activity, it looks like, peaked globally in 2012, along with the sort of general blow-off top in the commodity bubble. And so you had this huge investment wave associated with China and sort of other other factors along with the underinvestment previously, that culminated in 2012. So, okay, so how's that relevant for this? I think the problem started in 2012 with underinvestment and it was just that the clock started ticking and it accelerated in 2014 when oil prices crashed and when a lot of capital was pulled. Uh, And then it further accelerated in 2016 when there was another crash Um, and then 2018 when there was another oil crash and then 2020. And the reason it's so important, I think, to understand the history of this is each of those crashes was followed by enormous rallies that got a lot of people excited. And I mean, frankly, we launched Bison in 2015 uh, after the 2014 crash thinking, hey, now is an opportunity to generate uh, above market return in a multi-year sort of re-rating back up, maybe not to the highs of 2014, but maybe back to sort of, if you use the 2007 to 2014 sort of average valuations and framework, there was room for a multiple times return relative to the valuations then. Um, Obviously, that was wrong. Um, But it's helpful, I think, to understand we've had these sort of waves of people deploying material capital, public, private, distressed debt. And if you deployed capital through that time, up until this last one, you got destroyed. And it's amazing we're still around, but there are very, very few oil and gas focused funds. And there's even fewer oil and gas public equity funds uh, remaining uh, after this sort of huge wave. So, so. What's changed is that I guess during COVID, there were a lot of funds and there were a lot of companies that gave up. And um, there was a very powerful sort of ESG or green alternative energy narrative that, hey, this stuff is going away. And I think a lot of people bought it and a lot of capital bought it and came in and just heavily invested into vaporware sort of technologies and companies. And um, so I think I think it was just sort of that last big storm that really washed out a lot of the detritus and really cleared the way. Um, but again, I think I think it's important to think about it from a longer term perspective because this isn't something that started 16 months ago. This is something that started 10 years ago. 
Okay. So it, it, now I understand the way that it feeds the, the feedback loop through the, 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 the funds. But if we look at the physical, is, is when, when, how different is the production picture today? Then it, you know, where is global production of oil today compared to where it was at the end of 2019? So I don't think that's the most relevant thing from a multi-year opportunity perspective. Okay. I think the most relevant thing is starting with exploration. How much oil in the ground has been discovered in the last year or how much in like, let's say last calendar year versus how much was discovered in 2012 versus how much was discovered in 2002 and going back in time. And so the, because if you think about it, you have sort of prospect discovery, delineation, development, production, and then depletion of that production. You always need to be refilling that funnel in order to be able to have sustainable production. It's not a question of how much production there is, in my opinion. It's a question of how much sustainable production there is. How much production will there be two years from now, five years from now at current investment levels and at varying investment levels and activity levels? So the problem is, and the thing that has me so medium to long-term bullish on oil, again, acknowledging that the short-term, from my perspective, is unknowable, um, is that there's been, we've been burning the furniture. So there's been way too little exploration. There's been moderate amounts of development, or sorry, a delineation, and there's been a lot of development. And so there's a lot of discussion around the rig count, around development, and you know it's, it's bounced back a lot, but there hasn't been enough delineation and there's been way too little exploration. And so we're, we're at this point where you need a whole revitalization of the upstream sector, and then it gets worse, you also need, or better if you're you know, bullish, but if, you, if you're worried about the world's supply for oil, um, you also need the oil services whole value chain to get rebuilt as well. Same sort of uh, framework in terms of, you, you know, you need people to be trained and a sort of consistent workforce, which we don't have. You need rigs, you need uh, pressure pumping, you need, there's a whole ecosystem. And- All right, guys, due to time constraints, we got to end the interview right now. But as I said earlier, to catch the rest of it, you're not going to want to miss it. Go to knowyourriskradio.com, subscribe to the podcast. The more you subscribe, the better interviewers we get. But you're going to want to hear the rest of what Josh has to say, and we're really going to get into all parts of this, looking at the geopolitical implications. You won't want to miss it. Anyway, have a great weekend. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the show today, and we'll see you next week with another great interview on deck. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.